following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self-control. Listeners, you've been warned. From our separate quarantine studios in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. I am Pete, and sitting somewhere a little bit east of me is the Coombsville crooner, Vino Mike. Hello, everybody. I wish I was sitting in Coombsville right now, but uh, I am, what, a little bit north and, yeah, maybe a little bit east as well Just from you, but it's great to be here. And, uh, yeah, here we are, another episode of, of That Wine Pod, and I'm, I am so pumped up to be doing this with you today, Pete. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, it's it's uh, an interesting time, and we're recording whenever we get a chance, which I think is fun. And I'm really enjoying all the extra time to explore wines. But uh, it would be much nicer to do this do this in person. And looking forward to the day where that can happen again. Yes, yes, me too, my friend. Um, but this is kind of a fun episode because we at least were able to get the same wine in our glass for the episode today uh, using all of the recommended CDC guidelines. Uh, I was able to drop off, uh, you know, a portion of the bottle uh, that I opened up for the episode today. And uh, you have that with you in your studio. Is that correct? I do. I've, I've poured it and I can't wait for you to jump, uh, jump in and tell us what's in that bottle. All right. Well, here we go. Today in that bottle. Uh, this is a really small production winery, and we'll get into that. The name of the winery is called uh, Aesop, and this is a 2018 Pinot Noir, and where it comes from is very, very cool to talk about. Uh, we kind of referenced that to start the episode off. It is in Coombsville, and it is a single vineyard bottling called Haynes Vineyard. That's the name of the vineyard that this wine comes from, and so... You know, when I was picking out something to, to do for the episode today, I was kind of looking back at what we've tasted. And believe it or not, I don't think we had a Pinot Noir on the show yet. What? That's crazy. That's what I was, that's what I was saying. So, um, I grabbed this and thought this would be a fun one to do. Um, but before we get into the wine that's in the glass, I think it's worth talking a little bit about Coombsville where that's at and the Haynes Vineyard. And um, there's there's some really good historical background on this stuff. So first of all, we'll start with Coombsville. This is an AVA of the Napa Valley. Uh, so American viticultural area. And it was established somewhat recently, uh, only in December of 2011, did they establish the Coombsville AVA, Pete. Wow. Um, this is... No, I was just saying, like, I I think of Coombsville actually kind of often when I think about Napa, just because I think it produced, produces a lot of really good wine. So the fact that it didn't have its own designation as an AVA until that recently is, is, is very interesting. Or maybe it's because of that designation that I started thinking about it more. Who knows? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they only started designating AVAs in, I believe it was the early 80s, maybe 82 with Howell Mountain was first, if I remember correctly. But so, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, 30, 29, 30 years uh, span to get to Coombsville. And it's a pretty special area when you start reading about it and learning about it. Yeah, they definitely, you are right. They definitely make really great wines from this area. Um, this is located in the south portion of Napa Valley, and it's actually just east of the town of Napa. And what makes it so unique is, first of all, the climate here is very cool. You would actually think like Napa Valley in general is warm, but when you look at the valley uh, from north to south, like when we think of north to south in climate, you think like somewhere south, like Florida would be really hot and somewhere north, like where we are in Illinois is cool, uh, which is, you know, for that large of a geographical span, pretty accurate. And it's kind of the opposite with Napa. Down in the so- southern part of the valley, it's actually coolest because it's close to the San Pablo Bay. And so almost every day, pretty much marine air and fog comes into the valley from the bay and of course it hits the southern parts first as it makes its way north and then recedes back and so if you think about the southern part of the valley they're under this marine air and fog longer than the northern parts of the valley like saint helena where it's a little bit uh you know it's definitely a a lot warmer and this southern part where kuzula is is uh, you know, kind of like near Carneros a little bit too. These are great areas for cooler climate varietals, uh, such as Pinot Noir, which is in our glass today, um, Chardonnay. Um, and then you also see some Syrah in this area also. Um, the other part about Coombsville that is kind of cool is it's right up against the Vaca range and uh, you get a lot of volcanic soils from lava flows that took place, uh, you know, in the past. Um, and that has made up a lot of the soil types that are, that are in this area, very rocky volcanic soils. So finally, this was, you know, they, they took notice of all these aspects and, and uh, moved forward with creating its, its own little AVA. So um, little little bit of knowledge on Coonsville for, for the listeners out there. And then the other cool part is the vineyard that this wine comes from. It's called Haynes, uh, Haynes Vineyard. Um, Pete, I'm curious, have you, do you know much about Haynes Vineyard or have had many wines from there or anything come to mind? No, not, not off the top of my head. Um, okay. Except for, wait, cool. Wait Um, a minute. I think, doesn't Phyla make one of a Haynes Vineyard wine? I think that's like the only one I can remember. Yes, you got it. Yeah, they, they do Chardonnay, um, from, from the vineyard. Um, the vineyard here is planted to Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Syrah. And yeah, Faya, uh, which is Andy Erickson and his wife, their project, um, you know, pretty, pretty famous winemaker in Napa, known for Screaming Eagle. Um, they bottle a Haynes vineyard. And this, this vineyard is really historic and it's actually super cool. First of all, because it, it was planted over 50 years ago in the late 60s and the vines that are there today are that original rootstock Mm. and you just don't see that very often anymore so we're talking about 50 plus year old vines here in the haynes vineyard and the original owners it was this woman pat haynes and her husband duncan 
and they planted here in the late 60s with the assistance of Louis Martini Sr. And so I thought that was kind of cool, big name, yeah. um, you know, coming into play here. And they owned the vineyard all the way up until just a few months ago when it was sold in September of 2019 to a man named Galon Lawrence Jr. So this guy, he is a billionaire and he purchased height sellers in April of 2018 for a cool $180 million. And just as I mentioned, in September of last year, he purchased this vineyard from the Haynes family for $12.5 million. Now, the plan for Heights is they're going to source the fruit, which I, again, mentioned Chardonnay, Syrah, and Pinot Noir, beginning with this vintage, 2020, uh, to produce a new wine under a new brand or some new wines under a new brand. So something kind of cool to look forward to from this vineyard that's been around forever. Um, and in doing some of this research, kind of a cool side note, and I'm curious if you heard about this, Pete, is that this same gentleman, uh, Galen Lawrence, is also working with Dave Finney to develop about 500 acres of land on Mar Island, if I'm yep. saying that correctly, M-A-R-E, um, which is actually a peninsula in Vallejo. So I don't yeah. know what's going on with that, but I yeah, they actually want to make that to, to learn more. Yeah, they actually want to make that a hundred percent like self-sustaining area. So it's it's a it's a huge project that they're taking on, but the the plans are for it to be a complete like kind of its own little community, well, not little, but I mean where they just can do everything that they need right there. It, it'll be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how that how that shakes out and I don't put anything past Dave Finney. So <laughs> I think that that's an interesting partnership. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, he's just got to be on cruise control with the Gallo fam doing his thing there with orange Swift and crane assembly and whatnot. But, um, you know, giving him, it, I'm, I'm sure that's just stuff almost to an extent runs itself where he can go out and do some other projects like this. So, um, but that will be for another episode down the road. So today we're going to focus on this producer, Aesop. And this is a pretty small producer, as I mentioned before. Um, if you can imagine the Haynes Vineyard, it's not very large. Not a whole lot of wine is coming out of there to begin with. So, uh, kind of special to get our hands on this bottle. But, um, and then before we kind of get into this producer and what they're all about, how about we drink some of this wine? Sounds good to me. I, I I can't get my you, head out uh, of Aesop's fable though because of <laughs> the name of the the name of the winery. Yeah. I just keep thinking of of all the Aesop's fables. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I I haven't um, gotten too experienced with those at all. So ha- have you uh, read some or know a little bit more about that? Well, I think most of us kind of know them without knowing them. Um, hmm. They're they're old kind of the really old fables right that go back to um ancient times ancient greece so things like the big big bad yeah. wolf you know come out of aesop's fable would be an example so oh, cool. um things like you know like tortoise and hare are adapted from from that too so 
they're just old kind of fairy tales. So that's where it comes from. Storytelling, which kind of is a trademark, I could see, of kind of things that they believe in, that they're trying to tell a story with wine. So anyway, before we get into all that, I guess a, a little taste is yeah. is probably warranted. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, again, 2018 vintage. So very young, very, very fresh. So let's keep that in mind. Um, you know, when when we're... <laughs> Thinking about Pinot Noir and what we might start expecting from a, a Napa Valley Pinot Noir, I think this one is a little bit surprising and a little bit opposite of that. Um, you know, definitely some tart red fruits in here, but they're so light and delicate. They are. And they've got this like beautiful, like tart strawberry and cranberry and even almost like melon to me is kind of going on on the, on the palate. Very interesting, like almost like pithy melon. It's really good. It's much, it's much lighter. And, you know, when you look at it, it looks like Pinot Noir. It's not that dark extracted Pinot Noir that you may have come to expect from some larger, more popular brands. So it's, it's definitely a throwback to true Pinot Noir. Um, It's really got good fruit and the secondary notes on it are are really gorgeous. I'm really enjoying that part of the the wine more than even the fruit itself, personally. Yeah, there are some really beautiful spice notes that are like per it's like perfectly seasoned. Like you can tell there's some seasoning there, but it doesn't overpower at all. Really beautiful balance. Very bright, fresh acidity. And I mean here we are in Napa Valley. I Honestly, dude, I avoid when it comes to Pinot Noir. I don't fucking think about the Napa Valley at all. No, I just don't. No, not not when there's things like Burgundy and and Oregon. And I mean, it's just not needed. I I I would even go down uh, the coast a little bit into more central coast to to get some Pinot Noir before I think of Napa. So it's. Not that I got to honestly, I'm stumbling for words because it's so far off what I expected. It's taken me a little while to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, just right over the mountain range in Sonoma too, right? You have Russian River Valley and Sonoma Coast, um, big time areas for California Pinot Noir. Um, Napa, yeah, there's definitely Napa Valley Pinot Noir, but a lot of it to me is like you were saying earlier, over extracted, really dark, high in alcohol, just not really, I think, what Pinot Noir lovers look for. And this one brings it, man. I mean, you know, I've got the label right here. It's checking in at 13.8% alcohol, Napa Valley red at 13.8. I mean, this, that's like burgundy. I wouldn't. Or Oregon, as you alluded to. Yeah, I would. Uh, and I don't even think it shows as 13.8 like this is so balanced and i think you said delicate earlier i feel like the wine is almost fragile because it's just so beautiful like i'm afraid i don't want to break it you know it's just a a gorgeous it's the fabergé egg of of wine right now for me (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) it really is like that and there's still enough like you know, vibrancy and a little bit of power under there to, you know, throw, we're going to throw some pork chops on the grill tonight. 
and here's the wine. I mean, I, of course, planned this out um, for what we were going to do for dinner this evening, but um, I don't think this is your ribeye Pinot Noir by any means. You know, this is not anywhere remotely close to something like Belle Gloss, um, but it definitely has enough um, backbone to go with some stronger, fattier cuts of meat. Uh, I could see some lamb working with this, but delicate enough to just work with some salad, um, salmon, of course, all the classic Pinot pairings, or just a little plate, a little charcuterie plate, just some some salami and a little soft cheese uh, would be perfect with this wine. I agree. I mean, so, I think that the power to um, me comes from the acid. Like it's it's just got such a beautiful yeah. um, acidity underneath that that to me is what's going to make this thing stand up more than big bold flavors because everything is really balanced and there's a ton of subtlety underneath i mean there's a lot playing around underneath this in this wine and i to your point because of that the acidity combined with this beautifully uh like this mosaic of flavors it's going to go with a variety of foods yeah yeah definitely and this this was really well made in terms of like you can tell the winemaker was more hands-off and letting the vineyard and the fruit that they had access to lead the way here. Um, and I, I think that goes hand in hand, like what you were saying earlier with the name Aesop and telling a story. This is totally telling the story of Coombsville, this 50 year old vineyard with these old vines, this cool climate that's there. You can't go plant these Pinot Noir vines in, you know, a different like Oakville and make the same wine. It's just impossible. So, um, and that's because Oakville would get the wine too hot, right? for, it would get too hot. Absolutely. I believe so. I think that it would get maybe riper too quickly. Um, so you, you would either have to pick, you know, too soon or too, or too ripe. Um, you know, I'm far from an enologist or viticulturalist, but you know, there's definitely a reason that Pinot Noir likes a cooler climate area and Cabernet um, a little bit warmer as it tends to uh, ripen a little bit later. So, um, yeah. And you brought but, up, uh, you know, this, yeah, I'm sorry. You brought up the age of the vines a couple times now. Why does that matter? Like wh- what is it doing for this wine and why would looking for older vines, uh, wines for the consumer, like what, what are you looking for and why? Well, I can tell you what I think. I think that you've got 50 plus year old vines on original rootstock planted in these, you know, unique rocky volcanic soils. So these roots, um, after being planted, have dug even deeper into the earth. And as a vine gets old, it also produces less fruit. But the fruit that it does give you tends to be very high quality. And then if you introduce a viticulturalist that knows how to coerce that vine to give you even better fruit than it could do if completely left alone, um, I think you end up with, with something kind of special. Beautiful. So that's my opinion on it. I'd like to think that most of that is right. Um, <laughs> you know, if there's any uh, viticulturalists that are listening and you want to jump in and leave some comments or come on the show and talk, about that kind of stuff, let us know. We'd love to have you. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this wine in particular, just to get into some of the technical background, the fruit was handpicked. You know, we're, we're talking about 
you know, the, the, I'm sure the fruit and the vine is as delicate as the wine in our glass right now. So you're not running through here with any machines to pick the fruit. And we're not talking about a large amount of fruit anyways. So everything is picked by hand. And then the wine is fermented naturally with native yeast. Um, there are three clones of Pinot Noir that go into this. Uh, clone Dijon clone 115, the Swan clone, and Martini clone. Um, so three different Pinot Noir clones. And the winemaker fermented these separately in small open-top bins. And then they do a little bit of punch down where the skins are on the top. They kind of punch that down and then let them rise back up um, to get some extraction and some color from the skins. And then the wine is barely lightly pressed into French oak barrels. And only 20% of that are new barrels. So I think that definitely comes into play here where we're tasting some really nice seasoning in there, but it's in the background and really well integrated and not dominating the wine. This is not an oak, oaky driven wine by any means. Yeah. I agree. Um, the wine also. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it, like, you can tell there's oak there without a doubt. It's not like a stainless steel red, but um, it's just so delicate. And I think just perfectly made here. Um, and then the wine was allowed to go through malolactic fermentation um, or finish going through the malolactic fermentation while in the barrels. So that's when the natural acidity of the wine, which is lactic acid, or I'm sorry, malic, malic acid. Think of that as like the acid from a lemon, something harsh like that. It goes through kind of its own fermentation where it turns into lactic acid and you can think of the acid in milk something soft and creamy and that's really almost the far majority of red wines go through this and that what that's what makes them palatable and soft and uh, really drinkable um, ultimately and then the wine is bottled unfined and unfiltered so here we are single vineyard sustainably farmed vineyard uh, which by the way i also read that the heights um you know the company the the you know the the winemakers the farmers behind heights they're going to convert this totally to biodynamic um that's their goal but it's already being sustainably farmed um this winemaker is fermenting naturally with native yeast and it's bottled unfined unfiltered very little new oak i think we got a, na a natural wine from napa here pete wow we're we're trendy i mean I mean, dare we say it, you know, this is natty wine, people. Like, it doesn't have the funkiness. I mean, there's definitely some secondary notes that you were talking about, Pete. It's not a fruit bomb. It's not an oak bomb. There's a lot going on with this wine, and it's gorgeous. But, you know, why not throw this into the natural wine category? It's definitely not being marketed that way, and this is only my opinion and yours if you agree with me, but... um you know, just once again, talking about what is natural wine. And I think this fits the bill. Yeah, it definitely does. It it has all the hallmarks of it. And I kind of like that the fact that they're not marketing it that way because it doesn't make it a better or worse wine. It's a great wine. It just happens to be natural. So I, I, I appreciate that. But I'm not surprised. I mean, the, the guy behind this label is... You know, he, he's he got some wine chops on him. He, he might know what he's doing. Yeah, he definitely does. So um, let's uh, let's get into that a little bit, because this is kind of a cool story. 
this is, you know, I was talking about small production. And before we get into the story, I want to let you know the production of this Pinot Noir was a whopping 128 cases. I mean, you're talking about a couple half pallets or just a little bit more, like nothing. So this is really small batch wine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. So, I think we've brought this up before. 128 cases sounds like it might be a lot to you. But if you think about it, that's nothing. I mean, you get walk into any Costco and you'll see certain wines stacked with more than 128 cases. So if we were to really think about it, right, and let's say that there's 5,000 wine shops across the country, which I think there's actually probably more, but just say there's 5,000. I mean, they would each get a couple of bottles. I mean, there's just not that much of it. So it's kind of an interesting uh, an interesting way to look at it. Actually, would they wouldn't even get that. They'd each, because it's 128, that's only 1,200 plus, so it's only like 1,500 bottles total. So not even every wine shop could yeah. get a bottle of this stuff. That's how little of it there is. Another way to picture this too, we're talking about like five small barrels. Like if you've ever been to a winery and you see the small oak barrels that they have, just five of these is the entire production of this wine. Um, so pretty awesome that we're getting to taste this today, dude. And yeah, it's, crazy. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a fun story how we got our hands on such a small, um, a small bottle. First of all, like I just have an enormous amount of gratitude over these last three weeks. I've had a number of people, and I haven't even asked or communicated with these people, but they have just came by and dropped wine off at my door. And I can't be thankful enough here, like during quarantine, um, to have that happen. And one of the persons that did this was a listener that we've mentioned in the past. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Instavino Veritas. He was doing the alphabet, still is doing the alphabet wine challenge. But, you know, he texted me and said, hey, I'm going to be out in your area dropping some of these Aesop wines off to some friends that I know out there. Do you want me to drop a few off for you? And I said, fuck, yeah, <laughs> like, sure, I would love to try new stuff. And um, the background with this listener is he found he found our show Pete, by, I think, just searching for, you know, wine podcast on Apple Podcasts, came across us, gave us a listen. I guess we were his cup of tea, which is totally awesome. And one of the first episodes that we did featured a Robert Bialy's Infidel. And he, you know, this listener is a fan of Bialy. And I think that kind of drew him into our show. And the, the whole connection here is that Aesop Wines is the winemaker for Robert Bialy. His name is uh, Tress Getting. Um, so he's the winemaker for Bialy, and you were talking about him having some winemaking chops. This guy has got about 30 years in Napa Valley um, viticulture and enology, and he cut his teeth as an assistant winemaker for St. Clement and St. Helena, which is just awesome wines. That's one of the first Napa Valley Cabernets that I ever tried learning about wine almost 20 years ago at good old Timponi's. We have that on the list. Um, he worked at Ladera 
He worked for the Krupp brothers at Stagecoach Vineyard. And uh, he also worked for Valley of the Moon, um, doing some of their upper tier old vines infidel bottlings that they that they do over there. So, I mean, this guy really knows the area very, very well. Um, and kudos to him for starting out. This is his first solo project that he's ever done. And this is the first one I've ever tried from it. And for a guy that makes pretty powerful um, Zinfandel and Petite Syrah and things like that, now you can see him doing this gorgeous, delicate little Pinot Noir. I mean, you've got to you've got to know what you're doing to be able to do all of this stuff. Yeah, he's uh, he's darn good, and I love the whole Bialy connection to a listener to you know him becoming one of your. Uh, wine angels and just dropping some stuff off for you. I'm, everybody wants a wine angel, Mike. It, you're pretty lucky to get to get a few. I'm seriously lucky, and I'm telling you, I am so grateful for it. Um, it's fantastic. So um, he so he dropped off um, all of the bottles that this that Aesop makes, which isn't a whole lot, as you can imagine. Um, we're tasting the Pinot Noir here. In addition to that, he does a Grenache that is sourced from a vineyard in the Red Hills in Lake County, north of Napa County. Um, a whopping 155 cases of that is produced. Uh, he does a rosé from the Green Valley in Sonoma. Uh, that is a tiny production of 64 cases. And then he also does the fourth wine, a Rhone white blend from the Dry Creek Valley, which I believe is Grenache, Berbalonk, and Peak Pool. Um, so I, you know, wanted to taste one of these on the air. I love, love, love Bialy so much. I didn't know so much about this winemaker. This is why that wine pod is all about community. Um, you know, I love that we've gotten to engage with one of our fans and here we are tasting a wine that neither of us have had before, uh, and learning about some new stuff, which is if you can do that during the quarantine of 2020, then more power to you. Absolutely. I just, I looked on the website real quick. And yeah, the Grenache comes from four vineyards and I, my very, oh, okay, my very first time in, in the industry where I took a personal trip out to California, I stayed at the four family property. So that's kind of fun too. Little, little connection. Awesome. So there's a connect. Yeah. A connection with you and these wines. That's fantastic. Um, so I think one of the last couple things I want to bring up about this winery, you know, first of all, yeah, you're, you're not going to go to any store around here and find it. Um, I, I think there's actually a waiting list to be a distributor of these wines as of right now. I think there are some local distributors in California that get their hands on some for markets, but otherwise it's direct from the winery. Um, and there, there is a wine, you know, kind of club that you can join, uh, that is, looks pretty darn reasonable here. Um, so there's three tiers. You can, the bottom tier is a $13 per month subscription that gets you four bottles annually of the wine. So he makes four wines. You get one bottle of each, two in the spring, two in the fall, 17 bucks a month. You can get six bottles. So you're going to get. Uh, one extra of the rosé and one extra of the white blend. 
um, plus the Grenache and the Pinot Noir. And then 35 bucks a month gets you uh, 12 bottles, so three of each. Uh, again, broken into two shipments, one in the spring, one in the fall. Uh, we're recording this in the spring. It is Sunday, April 5th today. And also looking at the website, right on the top, it says free U.S. shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Um, the Pinot that we're tasting today, it's premium at $50 a bottle. But for what it is, I think it's a fucking awesome buy. Yeah. For sure. And I really like the way that they've done this wine club with a, a more reasonable monthly charge versus most wine clubs. You just get hit all at once. So if it's a right. $400, $420 club, you get hit for that 420 bucks and they ship it to you. So that's really an right. interesting way to do it. And I, I got to give them credit. That is that's a damn good idea right there. I thought you might like that, dude, because I know you're you're definitely all into uh, you know operations and um, you know strategy when it comes to these things from a retailer's perspective, um, and you know certainly from a winery's perspective. So I love that they're drawing maybe a little strategy from the retail world and deploying it um, through the through the the winery world. Yeah, in a in a very smart way because they can guarantee their kind of monthly income, if you will. And spread out their cash flow too, not to get too business side. But then also they're saying, look, we're only going to ship twice a year. So if they do that on top of it, it saves them in shipping costs versus clubs where you get those two bottles every month. This is quite smart. I'm I'm pretty impressed. Yep. And I don't know. I'm just kind of drinking this wine. So I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over my words right here. But drooling on the microphone. Like. How drooling on the drooling on my phone today? Yeah, <laughs> my own phone. Like, luckily you haven't. That's that's one of the good things that have come out of this crisis. You haven't had to clean up my microphone in a month. No, it's we've we'll made it into a shrine down the road, dude. We've made it into a shrine for you <laughs> right now. We just I actually have a it's picture boxed. of you propped up, like right box. in front of the microphone right now. It's great. That's awesome, man. Like card cardboard cutout or something. Yeah, life size beetle oh, like. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's not creepy yeah, it's not I creepy mean, it, it's, 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 a, it's a shrine come on <laughs> uh, that's what that's the last person anyone needs is a shrine of vino mike <laughs> oh i'm sorry i i, I meant myself. i meant to say drunk vino mike that's the most uh <laughs> that's the most recent picture i had of you sorry <laughs> well uh, that's that's definitely the odds are in your favor if you're going to take a picture of me that it's going to be a drunk photo so just <laughs> ask any of my other friends and unfortunately family um so anyway you know i want to throw this out there you normally do pete but once again we are not at all sponsored by this winery by this winemaker by our listener fan um but I think it's a really cool concept and a way to support the small guy right now and get your hands on some really cool bottles that really nobody else has. Um, you know, head out, head over to their website and check out what they got. And if you do that, of course, make, make sure you mention that wine pod and give us a shout on social. Um, when you, when you drink it yourself, like what you think, come to our Instagram or our Facebook. Um, we, we would love some more engagement from our, our audience. Um, very much so, especially right now. Come on, we're bored. Um, need 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 some more engagement. Yeah, you so, need some wine racks. Uh, Just send us a note. Cool. <laughs> yeah, 
Yep. Anytime. Social media, email that winepod at gmail.com. Please reach out. Feel free. Um, and then if you became a member with the, with the club, it's kind of cool that that includes like you get invites to exclusive private dinners and events and things like that. So, um, and you know, once all this craziness is behind us and we can travel again and the world opens back up, um, you know, it might be kind of fun to plan a, a trip around a cool private dinner happening in Napa Valley and visit some other wineries while you're out there. So overall, I was impressed with this wine, impressed with the winery. Um, I love the Bialy connection. And also this dude, uh, his full name, first name is Trester. So you'll see T-R-E-S. He goes by Tress. He's, uh, he's a bass player. Um, and he, he has a band or he plays in a band called the Silverado Pickups. Um, so you can Google the Silverado Pickups and listen to a little bit of, uh, it's kind of a, you know, I think a, a band of winery or wine business people out in the Napa Valley, but anyway, cool stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you dropping it by and we did the proper socially distanced, sanitized wine exchange. It was great. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I, I completely sterilized everything before dropping off and, uh, you know, you are, you are completely safe there, my friend. So, um, so yeah, that, that's this wine and I, I loved it. So what, uh, what else you got going on here these days, Pete? Anything you want to mention outside of the wine we're tasting today or the wine world in general? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I do several other podcasts and they're still going on although not as uh, other than a daily one not as frequent as I would like but there's really good messages in most of them so I've got one called the no fear project and that's both a, a group that is just incredible on Facebook as well as a podcast I highly recommend checking that out the last two episodes that I put out were from April 3rd and April 4th the one is a message of hope, which is just me kind of talking about why there's reason to have optimism in this really trying time. And the second one was an interview that I did with uh, a woman named Rhonda, who is a parent and a nurse by trade. And it was a couple of weeks uh, ago, but right as the pandemic really started to become real like in terms of us having to shelter in place and stuff and her insights and talking about her emotions and then her kids and kind of how it all relates together I think is really good for people to listen to especially if you're a parent but I think everybody would would relate to it uh, I also do a daily podcast called be better today and that one is all about trying to lift us up each and every day with a an inspirational quote and a little bit of commentary around it that one's great because it's between one and two minutes uh, all in. So a lot of fun doing that one daily. The one that I've, the podcast I've had the longest is called Fat Man Chronicles that I do with my wife Gretchen. We're going to record tonight and Mike, it's going to be episode 97. So we are getting really wow. close to a hundred on this one. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. My wife's fantastic. That one is about, just our lives in terms of the health journey that we're on. Uh, and there is usually wine involved in that one too. So there's that. And then uh, if, if you want to put a smile on your face, and of course I'm biased because it's my child, but my 
littlest kid. Uh, her name is Michaela. She'll be five here shortly, and and geez, ten days. She'll she'll turn five. She's really gotten into making videos, and she wanted us to do a YouTube channel because her cousin Claire had one. So, if you want oh. to just laugh at a four-year-old, five-year-old just having the time of her life, teaching you things like magic and cooking and how to plant tulips <laughs> in her own special way, uh, it'll definitely make you smile. You could look it up. It's called, she named it also, Love Juniors, and that is on YouTube. So that's that's what I got going on, Mike, because I'm under some... Uh, uh, you know, quarantine time here with, with the four-year-old, uh, five-year-old daily. And I know you can relate to that. I can. I've got the six-year-old. And um, first of all, we've watched some of the Love Juniors episodes. And it's really awesome. It's super cool to see Johnny's face light up, seeing somebody that he's friends with, that he's played with, that he knows um, on TV doing his, doing her thing. And They've been really fantastic and they definitely put a smile on your face. And even in these most trying times right now where it's hard to keep in, you know, a happy go lucky personality 24 seven, I think it's a great little escape watching that. I also wanted to say that the No Fear Project, this group has been around before the pandemic and I joined the Facebook group and if you want a place that you can go and openly talk about any fear that you have about anything and get open-minded dialogue responses, um, zero judgment, like 0.0% judgment, it is, a, it is a really fantastic place. And just what fortuitous timing for you to start this, Pete, because I know you were talking about doing it for a little while and to just have <laughs> a global pandemic take place months after getting that off the ground is, is just wild, but it's so awesome that it's there. And the, the podcast episodes themselves are great also. Um, so I do recommend that as a spectator to go and check, check that out. Um, if you're looking for uh, some additional ways to be uplifted right now, and Pete, I'm just going to ask you on the air right now, can I get can I get a guest spot on No Fear Project? I, I feel like I got a couple things to talk about. Absolutely, yeah, we can make that happen. I'm getting back into recording this week. I'm actually going to have on a financial expert to talk us through staying positive and not. Hey, go buy the stock or here's what you have to do, but more of the mindset and how to look at money during this time. And so I'm, I'm starting to record again for that. And I've got three more episodes that I'll actually be releasing that are around parenting, which couldn't come soon enough because they'll put into perspective. They're, they're heart wrenching stories for some of them, but it puts into perspective mm -hmm. that resilience and hope ruled the day before this pandemic because these were recorded like just before it all hit and just because of the timing i haven't had i just haven't had the time to get them out uh so we're gonna we're yeah. gonna get those out too but i would love to talk to you on that mike so we'll make that happen next week yeah that's great man any any time um just sometime down the road i just had such an awesome group and i'd love to you know get a little bit deeper 
um, in terms of involvement and, uh, you know, bridging some new relationships with some of the other people that are there because there are some pretty phenomenal stories. And I'll be listening to the financial one. That sounds very interesting because it is such a unique time uh, financially for everybody as well. So, um, you know, we're here in Illinois anyways. We've got three weeks of quarantine under our belts. I read somewhere online that somebody, I think, from Italy mentioned that the first two to three weeks is very difficult, and then you kind of start adapting, and it does get a little easier. Now, this is a very general blanketed statement. Everybody is in their own unique situation, so one person's easier is not another person's easier, and a timeline really has nothing to do with it, but I can say after three weeks of doing this, it you know, we are getting into a little bit more of a routine. We're getting a little bit more used to uh, what is happening and the fact that this isn't going away anytime too terribly soon. Um, so a couple things that have really kept me going lately, first of all, is my running. Um, I am signed. I was signed up for a, a half marathon and I am not a runner, everybody. I mean, I, I did some running, of course, who, who hasn't, but I never got into distance running at all until the last year and a half. And I got in, into it through Pete, who is actually my running coach. This guy is a certified run coach. And, um, I was watching, witnessing what he was doing. And it was so damn inspiring that I just got into it, starting off with, uh, training for 5k. And after putting in a few months, two or three full months of training, under Pete's guidance, um, I got addicted. And for me, I wanted to try and do something with some distance and, and achieve a goal. So last fall, I signed up for this half marathon. Pete, you signed up for it also. Of course, the race got postponed. It was in April down in Champaign-Urbana here in Illinois. Uh, they're looking at possibly rescheduling it in the fall, but that is so far away right now that we're not sure. But I had put too much time and effort into training for this that I just haven't stopped. And um, I just want to say I'm grateful for, for you, Pete, helping me with this. But it is one of the things that, have, that, that has really helped me during these few weeks with doing something that I was doing pre-quarantine. Um, yeah, dude. And you're crushing it. I mean, you're out there running miles that you probably wouldn't even have thought possible two years ago. So it's uh, been an awesome uh, experience for me to watch your progress. And like I posted when you, you know, posted your, your 12 miler this week from this weekend, this is why I got into it. I'm really enjoying coaching. And I mean, you guys can hear I'm, I'm wearing a lot of hats because I, I like it. I just, I do some consulting, I do coaching, I do these podcasts and just trying to cobble things together. And it's, it's just trying to make the most out of life and to watch you just get out there and conquer these goals and just you know, do epic shit. It's pretty, pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I really love it. And yes, I, I never thought I could do what I'm doing right now, but you know, you put a little bit of effort into it and kind of do it the right way, quote unquote, right way. Um, you know, pretty much anything is possible. And then another fun thing that has come out of the whole, uh, pandemic and quarantine is just a little fun, Thing we started on Instagram called the Quarantine Vino Club. Uh, you can find hashtag Quarantine Vino Club to see what we're up to, but there's now five of us. We all live in the western suburbs of Chicago. We're all in the industry. Uh, Paolo Ceruti, owner, 
an importer of Italian wines, has his own company called Bevuma. His managing partner, um, John Butera, <laughs> excuse me, Jesse Pompey from Cream, uh, a friend of mine, Dan, that you've met also, Pete, Dan Mucciolo from, uh, he works at for Breakthrough Beverage and myself. The five of us have figured out an elaborate way to get each other, uh, each guy picks a bottle of wine. Uh, we portion it off into four different bottles and we distribute them to all the other guys. And, um, you know, we're blind tasting these. We're recording our experience blind tasting them on Instagram and then posting the answers to what the wines were. So it's, it's kind of fun to get back into the blind tasting game. Um, and I think it can also be enjoyable for wine fans to sort of listen in, uh, maybe make their own guesses on what they think the wine might be, uh, and then find out what it is. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's our first week was last week, so it's a little bit loose, but I think we're going to get a little bit tighter this week in terms of how we're rolling out these videos and how we're posting the answers. But, um, anyway, kind of something fun to do and you'll definitely learn a little bit more about blind tasting by uh, jumping in if you're so inclined. So thank you. Yeah, that's really cool. So I'll make sure that to link up all fun this stuff. stuff. Yeah. Link up all this good stuff and make sure that you're following Mike on Instagram. You'll get to see his wine journey and his running journey. So that's always a fun, a fun thing to watch. So, all right. Anything else before we wrap it up? That is it. Wishing everybody um, health and safety and um, positive vibes and lots of hope. And uh, just, I'm, again, very grateful to uh, be able to record uh, an episode of, of that wine pod during the middle of quarantine 2020. Absolutely. All right. Well, then we'll we'll wrap it up with what we always say, especially right now. This is more evident than ever. Life is short. Drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to That Wine Pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at at That Wine Pod. And we are That Wine Podcast on Facebook. Also, check out Mike on Instagram at Vino Mike. And Pete is at Fat Man Stories. Please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto Funk. By Kevin McLeod. That Wine Pod is a production of Paragon Media.